Well, howdy! This podcast is a proud member of the Podcon Go Network. Podcon Go. Family-friendly shows that are fun for everyone. Welcome to Elderberry Tales. Pour yourself a little cup of nectar. It's time for a story. Today's story is Leany and the Fairies, Part 3, by William Stair. This is Part 3 of a continuing story, so if you haven't listened to Parts 1 and 2 yet, you should do that first, and then come back and listen to this one. When part two ended, Eileen and Logan were sleeping on the down of milkweed plants, deep underground in the fairies' home. But with dawn, they're going to face their biggest challenge yet. Targar, the troll. Eileen woke in the middle of the night. She could see well, for the light from the tree roots never dimmed or went out. Looking over at Logan's spot on the milkweed down, she saw that he was gone. Logan? She called in a loud whisper. She didn't want to wake all the fairies. Getting up, she crept down the passageway back toward the big meeting room. She could hear a rustling sound coming from there. When she arrived, she saw a huge hunched figure bent over the treasure chest, which the fairies had left by the chairs of the duke and duchess. Whatever the thing was, it was growling softly and tossing various treasures this way and that. It was obviously looking for something specific. Leany, what's going on? Came a loud voice from behind her. It was Logan. The loud sound caused the beast to turn suddenly. Leany immediately recognized it by its beady eyes, frilled pink nose, and long claws as a garden mole. But this one was as big as a bear compared to her small size. It let out a terrifying squeal and lunged for the children, who ran back down the passage to their beds. It raced after them, and Leany could feel its hot, worm-smelling breath on her neck. She and Logan jumped into the mound of soft milkweed fluff, just as the beast reached out and grabbed her shoulder. Eileen tried to break free, but the creature's huge claws had too tight a grip. If only Falso was there with his mighty sword. Eileen, Eileen, it's time to wake up. Falso was there, rubbing her shoulder to wake her up. She looked around. There was no monstrous mole, and Logan was sitting next to her, munching on a bit of seed cake. It had all been a dream. Time to get up. I've brought protective gear and weapons for you and your brother. As soon as you're dressed, we'll be off. In the meantime, I'll get you something to eat and drink. I brought enough for both of you, but your brother is a hungry one. As Falso trudged off, Eileen looked at the pile of things he'd left. There were shields made from walnut shells and clubs made of dried mushroom stems. 
Eileen handed a walnut shell and club to Logan, who immediately took them and began bashing everything in sight, laughing wildly. A natural-born fighter, she thought. Falso returned with a slice of seed cake and a cup of nectar. Here is something to break your fast. Then we must be off. Falso, something has been bothering me. Since you fairies have wings and can fly, why don't you just fly over the troll to get to the bell? We could, as you have seen. However, the duke must be part of the procession, and he has lost his wings, so we have to cross the bridge. Couldn't some of you carry him as you flew over? Oh, no, that would be a stain on his honor. At least, that is what the duchess says, and could not be permitted. He must march triumphantly across the bridge, and that can only happen if Turgor is banished. Oh, well sighed Eileen, eating her breakfast. Meanwhile, Logan was pounding everything in sight with his club, shouting, Beat the troll! Beat the troll! Soon the three were out of the cozy underground fairyland and in the cold pre-dawn of the forest. The smell of fir trees and damp earth filled the air. This way, said Falso, he led them down a path that descended to the ravine where the bridge and Turgor waited. As they walked along the path, every so often stepping aside as they passed a mushroom that had grown up as tall and wide as any of them, Eileen asked Falso many questions about Turgor and why the troll had chosen this bridge to obstruct. It turned out that, as she suspected, the fault was not all Turgor's. When he first arrived in this forest, he was hungry and ill due to his battle with the ogre that had taken his land and home in the mountains far to the north. He had found the fairyland and had appealed to the duke, duchess, and prince for help in finding a place and making a living. However, the duchess and prince found the troll to be far too ugly for fairy folk to have to see, and in a very arrogant way had convinced the duke that the miserable troll was only trying to take advantage of them, and under the duke's orders, the fairies had driven him away. But then, when they'd almost forgotten about Turgor, he reappeared. He'd been living in burrows under the bridge they were using every day, and now he was ready to get revenge. One morning, just before dawn, the parade of fairies, walking instead of flying because they were being led by the Duke and Duchess, found the bridge blocked by a pile of rocks and tree branches. When a few took to the air to see what was beyond this barrier, they were swatted out of the air with powerful jets of water. Falso, ever the warrior, had climbed the barricade and saw that, on the other side, Turgor the troll stood in the middle of the bridge. He was holding a strange weapon, made of odd shapes in different colors. He would squeeze a part of it whenever a fairy flew over, and with a mighty stream of water, knock that fairy out of the air. Then the troll spied Falso. Now Falso had been one of the few fairies to speak up for the troll when he first sought refuge, and evidently Turgor remembered that kindness. 
he motioned for Falso to come forward, while he still blasted fairies out of the air. I've been watching your stuck-up lords and stupid flyers and will have my revenge. No more shall your people travel this bridge without my permission. And to get that, they must bring tribute. He told Falso what he wanted each time the royal procession crossed the bridge to ring the bell. If they agreed, he would remove the barricade and cease knocking flyers out of the air. But tribute must be paid both morning and night. Falso scurried back over the mound of rock and tree and delivered the message to the Duke and Duchess. The Duke didn't even have a chance to open his mouth before the Duchess shrieked that there would be no tribute to that hideous, filthy troll. Not now and not ever. And Prince Ledra, who'd neither flown over the barricade nor climbed as did Falso, stood behind his mother and nodded in agreement and grand defiance. All the Duke did was say, indeed. So the procession turned around and marched back to their underground city. For four days, the royals held firm, and the barricade remained in place. Flying scouts encountered the powerful burst of water and sputtered home, their wings too wet to fly. Finally, on the fifth day, the grumbling among the fairies, who loved their traditions and wanted the procession and ringing of the bell resumed, became too much, and the duke sent Falso back to the bridge to tell Turger the tribute would be paid. All this Falso explained to Eileen as they approached the bridge. While they had been talking, Logan had wandered ahead. He reached the bridge before them and was already crossing when they arrived. It was an ancient bridge, built of heavy timbers. Moss grew thick along the sides where few feet trod. As Logan walked across, those timbers creaked as if to answer his every step. A deep voice boomed from below the bridge. Who goes creak, creak over my bridge? Stop now and pay the toll. Logan stopped but waved his club and held his walnut shield high. Then, slowly, a horrible face appeared and rose at the side of the bridge. It had long, stringy hair, a huge nose with cat-like whiskers that flared out on both sides, and fierce, beady eyes. Its ears were like blackened, twisted saucers, and long, gnarled claws clung to the edge of the bridge, at the sight of this horror, Logan backed up a bit, but did not run. Where is my tribute? Growled the terrible thing. Why, I don't have it, but my sister is coming along, and maybe she has it, replied Logan. Then stand to the side, and we will wait for her, replied the troll for surely this was the terrible Turger. Eileen heard this and ran onto the bridge to protect Logan. The bridge swung a bit as she ran across the timbers. Stop, roared the troll. Pay me the tribute, or I'll pull both you and your little brother down into my horrible burrow far under the bridge. I have no tribute for you, 
said Eileen bravely. But perhaps Falso, who is right behind me, has it. The troll motioned for her to stand by Logan. Now it was Falso's turn, and he marched stoutly forward, his footsteps banging on the timbers and ringing through the ravine. A bold one, isn't he? said the troll. Well, where's my tribute? Hand it over or I'll have all three of you in my burrow today and roasted for dinner tonight. Here he roared threateningly. While Turger roared at Falso and Eileen, he didn't notice Logan sneaking up from the side. The little guy swung his club and hit the troll right on the nose. Hey, he yelled. Hey, yelled Eileen and Falso. Yeah, yelled Logan. They all yelled because an amazing thing happened. The nasty hair, huge ears, bulging nose, all disappeared. They had been held onto the troll's head with string and tree sap, and now lay in a pile on the bridge. Even the terrible claws turned out to be nothing more than bits of nasty, twisted tree roots. Instead, what they saw, clinging to the side of the bridge with little pink hands, was what looked to Eileen exactly like a hedgehog. Now, for those of you who don't know what a hedgehog looks like, imagine a large hamster with quills like a porcupine, but not sharp. What's this? What's this? cried Falso. Oh dear, oh dear, said Turter. He climbed over the rail of the bridge and onto the timbers where the others stood. I am unmasked. Even without his fearful mask, Turger was threatening. While he would have been small enough for Eileen to hold in one hand when she was full size, at fairy size, he was twice as large as they were. The brown and yellow quills on his back rose and fell with his excitement. Why the frightening outfit? asked Falso. Uh, I wanted the fairies to respect me and give me a space in their land when I'd lost mine, replied Turker, wringing his hands. But it didn't work. No because you terrified them, and they decided we could not live with such a beast in our midst. Even though I disagreed, said Falso. Now, after your seizure of the bridge, I don't think they will ever change their minds. What's this? It was Logan. He'd walked to the edge of the bridge, near where Turger had first appeared, and was pulling on a cord made of woven bark strands. Up came the fearsome weapon Turger had used to shoot the fairies out of the air. Hey, it's a squirt gun, he laughed. I have one like this at home. I found it in the forest, and it made a fine weapon for shooting down the fairy flyers, admitted Turger. That gives me an idea, said Eileen. She pulled the four of them together, and they whispered back and forth about forming a plan. About half an hour later, 
they heard trumpeting and the banging of drums. It meant the fairy parade, led by the Duke and Duchess, was approaching. Minutes later, they rounded a bend in the path and began crossing the bridge. They paused in the middle, waiting for the terrible Turger to appear. Instead, Falso, Logan, and Eileen approached from the other end of the bridge. They each held part of the disguise Turger had used. Logan had the huge twisted ears, Eileen the bulbous nose, and Falso the straggling hair. In addition, Eileen had the squirt gun. The troll is no more, shouted Falso. We finished him off with his own weapon, added Logan. And he fell down into his burrows far below, never to be seen again, concluded Eileen. We must have more proof than these little things, exclaimed Prince Ledra, puffing out his chest and waving his sword now that the troll was nowhere in sight. Like I said, he fell down into the deep burrows below the bridge. You are welcome to go down and explore yourself, replied Falso. Ledra leaned over the railing and looked down into the dark openings far below. When he looked back, his face was noticeably paler, and he said, On second thought, you're probably right, Falso. Once again, all this was translated for the children by Falso. Then we can proceed across the bridge, asked the Duke. Of course, you nitwit, said the Duchess. Her face was red because her own son had done nothing to rid them of the troll, while these human children and an old fairy had succeeded. Onward to the bell ringing, she shouted. The fairies began marching the rest of the way across the bridge. As he passed Falso, the duke, who carried the troll's tribute in a basket, just in case they had been unable to defeat him, confusedly handed it to the old warrior. Falso looked inside and saw the fat, pale grub within. He smacked his lips with delight. Logan gagged. The three heroes followed the fairies off the bridge and through the tunnel of ferns that led to the sacred bell. After a short way, the tunnel opened out into a wide space before the trunk of a huge old cedar tree. Fixed into the bark, about one foot above a large root, was a bell. Not any bell. Eileen recognized it at once because she had one just like it. It was a bicycle bell. The thumb lever that made the bell ring had a long rope made of cedar bark thread woven together that hung down to the cedar root. Attached to this was a broad seat. The fairies gathered around the great trunk while the duke and duchess majestically walked onto the root and up to the seat. As they sat down on it, Eileen could see the rope strain and the bell lever begin to move. Then Prince Ledra also walked up the root and grasping the rope below the seat, pulled down. Tring, tring, tring. Three times the bell rang. All the fairies hung their heads in silence. Then the whole business was reversed, 
and they headed back to the underground fairy city. Back in the underground, with the glow of the tree roots to light their way, they all gathered in the great hall. The duke and duchess assumed their thrones. Falso was there too, holding the beard bowl, which was evidently considered a position of honor. The duke rose to speak, and the bell-like chatter of the fairies died away. My friends, today is a great day. We have been freed of the scourge of terrible Turgor, and can once again conduct the bell ceremony of remembrance without paying tribute to that rascal. We honor those whose valiant efforts have freed us. Falso. Here, a roar of approval rose from the fairies. Brave Falso is proclaimed bearer of the bowl for his bravery and success in battle. Human child Eileen. Another roar of delight. For her courage in wresting the terrible weapon from the enemy's claws. And human child Logan. Yet more roaring. For his speed with the war club. Here Logan whacked his walnut shield with the mushroom club. Come forward, children. Prince Ledra escorted Eileen and Logan to the steps before the thrones. The duke began rummaging in his treasure chest, and Eileen noted the sour look on the duchess's face. Ah, here it is. In honor of their brave deeds, I award this jeweled band from our personal treasury to the children. He handed it to Eileen, who in turn let Logan hold it. The duke concluded, now we rest, but tonight we feast. Great roars all around. Prince Ledra led the children back to their nook with the bed of milkweed down, motioning for them to rest now, but that he would be back to get them for the feast and dance in the evening. After all the excitement, the two fell asleep almost at once. Eileen heard a voice calling her. It seemed she had just laid her head down, and Prince Ledra had come to wake her. She opened her eyes. Logan lay beside her, still asleep. But they weren't in the fairy city anymore. They were in the forest again. Yet she heard someone calling her name. Then she realized it was her mother calling from a distance. And then her father. She shook Logan awake. They both sat up. They were back to their normal size. Had it all been a dream? No, it couldn't be. She felt something nudging her foot, reached over and picked it up, putting it in her pocket. Then she got Logan on his feet, and the two of them ran out into the late afternoon sun of the field beyond the cool dark woods. Where have you two been? asked Mommy. We've been calling and calling. I guess we fell asleep in the woods after picking these for you, said Eileen. She held out the bag full of berries. Somehow they didn't look as fresh as they had a while ago. Logan nodded sleepily in agreement. Thank you, kids, said Daddy. But you mustn't wander off like that without letting us know. 
a grunting sound came from Eileen's pocket. What on earth is that? asked Mommy. Eileen reached in and pulled out a plump hedgehog. I found it in the woods. Can I keep it? Daddy said, that's a hedgehog. They don't live around here normally. It must be someone's pet. It's kind of cute, but I don't know about taking it home. Mommy said, it's probably somebody's pet that got lost. I'm afraid it would die out here alone. Bring it home. If we see any reports of a lost hedgehog, it goes back to its owner. Otherwise, here she looked at Daddy, who nodded. Otherwise, you can keep it. Yay! I'm going to name it Turger. Logan laughed. The red stone in the band on his finger glinted in the late afternoon sun. Oh, I am glad that those two are home safe and sound. And of course, the troll turned out to be nothing like what I expected it to be. But I'm really quite pleased with the way the whole thing turned out. If you enjoyed this story about Eileen and Logan and their adventures with the fairies, you might want to check out a series of stories that I did a while back called Leany and the Big Idea. That's the first series of stories featuring this family. This family, where the daddy and the mommy are my brother and sister-in-law, and the two children, Leany and Logan, are my niece and nephew. And the whole thing was written, once again, by my father, William Stair. Thanks to you, Dad, for writing these stories that entertain us so much. And thanks to you for listening to Elderberry Tales. I'll see you again someday soon.